Oh, I know, we're so sweet. Um, I'd like to preface our story by saying our family is not normal. No. Uh, I don't know that any families in foster care are. Um, but if one thing rings true over the last four years of working with so many foster families, it's that we are as unique as the children entering our homes. And what we are sharing tonight is just part of our journey. So at 11 o'clock in the evening on December 13th, 2015, I get a call from my beautiful bride. There's a baby in the emergency room. They just need us to hold her overnight. Can you call the caseworker? Just hear what she has to say. And I realize no is probably the right answer. <laughs> but please just call and hear what she has to say. So I was already on duty, I'm a paramedic supervisor in Wasilla, so I'm out and about in my little chase car and gotten a call that, like my husband said, there's a baby who needs to be held in the ER. We're full, our family is full and busy, but we can do that, we can hold a baby overnight. I hoodwinked my husband, got him to come down in case I run calls, and we went straight to the ER, and I got there quite quickly, met the caseworker at the counter, and as I walked in the ER, I could hear her crying, and I could see this tiny blonde baby in room three of the ER in her birth mother's arms, and the caseworker standing at the counter. And she was just so small and so angry. I could see angry and small from the counter. And I walked up to the caseworker, and she's shocked that I was there so quickly, and starts into a very sad story. There's little known about her. We don't know her birth date. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of confliction. She's not well. We're going to monitor her overnight. And by the way, can you take her home in the morning? We don't have a family lined up. I am there in my battalion chief uniform, mid-shift, and I literally said to the caseworker, yeah, no, oh shit, ask my husband. <laughs> I went in to meet the birth mom and introduced her to my family via photos. Uh, apparently we'll be taking care of your baby. Uh, what is her name? How do you hold her? Does she have a feeding schedule? What soothes her? Um, as quick as you can get to know some of the most private details of someone and their baby, um, What's her middle name? It took us a year to learn our previous daughter's middle name, so it seemed really important at the time. So I get to the emergency room, and I meet the caseworker, and I get a little more of the story. She looks at me, and she says, your wife is kind of weird about this, but uh, <laughs> can you guys take her home? And I chuckled, yeah, of course, we can take her home. Next thing I know is we're in the mother-baby unit in Matsu Regional. And this is where it gets really surreal for me. Again, battalion chief uniform. I did not start this shift with a baby. I'm halfway through a 24-hour shift, and now we have these hospital bands that are tying us to this tiny, crying creature. Uh, watching my husband rock and try to soothe her as I'm kicked back on the couch in a hospital room that is now ours, and a baby. Did I mention they gave us a baby? So throughout the night, as she said, we're trying to calm this little velociraptor down, and... Trying everything we can, sang every Judy Buffett song, I know. Didn't that work? <laughs> she kept getting worse and worse, and eventually got to the point where they had to take her back to the nursery. A few hours later, the doctor came back and said, she's decompensated, guys. And those who don't know, that means she's really doing bad. She's going to be going to the NICU at Providence. And At this point, I had one of my fellow battalion chiefs come relieve me at the hospital. Um, We'd only met her a couple hours before, and we knew we would walk through fire for her. She didn't deserve to be alone. She didn't deserve to be sick. Um, so Battalion Chief Brown came and relieved me at the hospital, and I went in the ambulance to the NICU of Providence with the NICU team. It kicked off a very long, dark, lonely, hard three weeks of our life.
in the NICU, for those who have never been, and thank God for that, you're in a single room. You have to keep the lights down, though, because even light hurts these kids. You're tethered to the wall. You've got maybe a five-foot swath that you can go. You cannot put her down. We kangaroo cared her. So for those who don't know what that is, it's skin-to-skin contact. And three weeks, well, two and a half, of having a little tiny velociraptor (laughs) stuck to your chest in 24-hour shifts was quite possibly one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. She squawked so much I started calling her my magpie. (laughs) I resorted to earplugs on numerous occasions. It's hard to have such a physical connection um, with someone so sick. She lived on our chest. Um, She was never in an isolate. She was never in a crib. It was a big success when PT finally got her in a swing for 10 minutes. Within a day, she only wanted my husband or I. And so she lived on our chest. Um, You felt the withdrawal coming. You felt the fevers, the sweats, the vomit, the profuse diarrhea. Uh, It was awful. But it wasn't all dark. One of the bright spots for us was when you started to see the personality under the sickness, the glimpses of this fierce little warrior. Um, I'll never forget the first time my husband held her out from his chest and she looked at him and took him in. Her face wasn't tight in a grimace and sickness, but actually checking us out. She's not always an angry dinosaur. Another bright spot for us was the hospital chaplain, James. Um, We were no contact. OCS didn't want us having visitors or family. They were afraid of a flight risk and other social drama, so we were alone. And this chaplain brought light into a very dark corner of the NICU for us. He came to me on a very bad day. We'd been up all night. She'd not made it to a rescue dose of morphine. And I I told him I've been very selfish over the night. I've been um, despairing. I've been missing my family. We're here over the holidays. I have a two-year-old at home, and we just put up a Christmas tree. But you know, she's doing a little bit better this morning, and I realize it's not about me, and it's not about my husband. It's about this baby, and she needs us, whether it's just for today or for a week or a month. She needs us right now, and this is probably the most Christ-like thing I've done. So, you know, haha, Christmas. And without missing a beat, he leaned forward and he quietly said with a smile, you know, there is a story about a baby that needed a place to go at Christmas. (laughs) Got me. Got me good. Um, For our family, there is a happy ending. We adopted our precious magpie after 18 months in foster care. Um, She is... Yeah, she's amazing, and she's still a velociraptor. Um, But she's perfect, and she's precious, and she is a much-needed light in our family, and she's adored by all of us. Um, We closed our foster license in August after her adoption. Having adopted three kids in three years, we were done. So you think. (laughs) At 4 o'clock in the morning, Halloween of this year, my beautiful bride calls me again from the emergency room. There's a child here. She has nobody. She has nowhere to go. Apparently our foster journey is not yet over. Thank you. (laughs) 